How's everyone doing this morning? Come on, give God some praise. These guys believe you can serve a good God. Remain standing with me as we go to the book of Genesis chapter 26. We're still in our series, Bless This Mess. I want to thank Gary for being here. Can you give Gary Johnson a hand of applause? He's been a good friend of mine for years. He's preached in our church. We've traveled together. And he's one of the funniest people you'll ever know. Believe me. <laughs> Genesis chapter 26, beginning at verse 1. That's what the Word of God says. A, a severe famine now struck the land. Picture that. As had happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerar, where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. But do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I'll be with you. I will bless you. And I hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you and your descendants. And just as I solemnly promised Abraham your father, I will cause your descendants to become numerous as stars of the sky, and I will give them all these lands. And though your descendants on the nations of the earth will be blessed, I will do this because Abraham listened to me. I will do this because Abraham listened. How many of you believe that your life could be so much better if you just listened to God? Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. And this is what really grabbed my attention to start with this word. So Isaac stayed. That's it. So Isaac stayed. I want to preach this morning on the subject, the faith to stay. We always preach about the faith to go, the faith to move on, the faith to step out to. But what do you do when God wants you in faith to stay in a place you don't want to stay in? What do you do when God is telling you to stay in a marriage you want out of? What do you do when God is telling you to remain faithful and stay where you think you don't belong? How many believe you might want to learn this this morning? Father, bless this word in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that your glory be upon this place. I pray, Father, that your presence would teach us your word, that we leave church today completely transformed and renewed. And Lord, use me now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You guys can have a seat as we get into the subject of the faith to stay. As we continue our series, Bless This Mess, I started reading this passage And I realized how Isaac was called to be a blessing. God wanted to bless him and his descendants. He blessed his father Abraham. So we understand that God wanted to bless Isaac. And Isaac had the blessing of God in his life. But now what we see here is that Isaac finds himself in quite a mess. You see, a severe famine had hit the land. 
And everything was suffering. There was no water. There was no food. There was no jobs. They were in a recession. Everyone was struggling. Everyone wanted to be just changed and they wanted a different opportunity. Everyone was suffering. The famine caused dryness and emptiness and desperation. And Isaac is about to learn two valuable lessons that I want to teach you right now. See, Isaac was in a moment of emotion. And sometimes when life is hard, we tend to make emotional decisions. In a, in a moment of fear and panic and anxiety, you think you know what's best and you make choices that later on will affect your life and even your future. And we are living in an emotional driven society. If I feel it, I do it. But what about the Christians that are so messed up that they say, if I feel it, it must be God. I know those, there's not, none of those Christians are here in my church, but you know there are other Christians that think that because they feel something, it has to be the will of God? Do you believe that there are people that say, Pastor, I, I feel like the Lord has led me to leave my spouse? Pastor, I, I feel like the Lord has, has led me to, to really just do this and do that. And I just, well, how do you know it's God? Oh, Pastor, because I feel it. And in this moment of emotions and sadness and desperation, Isaac makes the plan to go to Egypt. But Egypt is not where God wants Isaac to be. But Isaac thinks it's where Isaac should be. Are you with me? So Isaac makes the plans and he tells his family and he packs up and he's like, guys, we're going to Egypt. Everyone's going to Egypt. Everyone knows that Egypt is where all the food is and Egypt is so much better and Egypt is so much nicer and Egypt is way more convenient. So it has to be from God. Lord, I thank you for Egypt. I thank you you've opened up the opportunities for Egypt. Come on, kids, let's get ready. And Isaac is about to learn two valuable lessons. Lesson number one is found in verse 2. The Bible says the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go. See, the first thing that Isaac is going to learn is that God will disrupt your plans. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, 9, that we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And if you want to live a life that is blessed, live in the steps of God. But see, Isaac, he thought he knew better. For a minute, he thought this was the will of God. And how many times do we think, oh, it has to be from God? Why? Well, because it's easier, because it's nicer, because it's better. And because everyone is doing it, Isaac saw everyone going to Egypt. And we think that because God is doing it in someone else's life, he has to be doing it in yours. Can I get a witness? And we begin to compare and assume in our emotions that we think we know what God wants us to do. But quickly, Isaac learns that had he gone with his emotions, he would have led himself towards destruction. He would have missed the blessings of God. We have to understand that sometimes God is going to disrupt what you thought you planned. God's going to say no sometimes. God's going to close the door sometimes, many times. 
But just because God says no, it's not a time to get sad. It's not a time to get frustrated and angry and lose faith. If anything you learn from this story we're reading is that when God says no, He's still working, He has something better, and He has a plan. That's what that means. And so many of us make a mess of our lives because we make these emotional decisions and stamp them to be God. Because it's better and easier and more convenient does not mean it's God. When you read the Bible, to tell you the truth, what was God was the hard and the difficult and the impossible. The second lesson that God is going to learn, I mean that God is going to teach Isaac here, is not just that he disrupt plans. But Isaac is going to learn that living for the Lord You guys ready? Lesson number two. Living for the Lord is never based on convenience, but commitment. Isaac just got not only his plans disrupted, but God is telling him to stay in a place that looks like nothing can be done. There's no water, there's, it's a, there's a drought, there's a famine, everything is difficult. And imagine you're praying, Lord, I want to get out of this difficulty, I want to get out of this trial, please Lord, lead me out. And God answers your prayers and He says, no, you have to stay there. You have to stay in that job. You have to stay in that family. You have to stay in that marriage. You have to stay here. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know you don't understand it, but you need to trust me because God is about to teach Isaac what I believe a lot of us in the church need to hear. Serving God has nothing to do with your convenience, but everything to do with your commitment. And being committed to God means that sometimes you're going to have to remain faithful and stay where you don't want to. See, many expect God to bless them at their convenience. They want to be blessed by God, but offer Him only a convenient relationship and not a committed one. They say things like, well, God, I want you to bless me and I'll serve you, but Lord, I'll only serve you if I'm not tired. How many of you are tired this morning? Is tired an excuse not to come to church? Because I'll tell you why, you're going to be tired tomorrow, but you're going to work. If I'm tired... It's not convenient to go to church, Lord, so I'm just going to stay in today. If I'm busy, when are we not busy? If I'm busy, I don't think I can make it. If I'm busy, I don't think I can pray. If I'm busy, I don't think I can spend a long time with God. If I'm busy, I don't think I can do this. But if I have time, I may squeeze God in. So Lord, I hope you honor that and bless me for that. If I'm in the mood, it's my favorite one. Gary, you've ever been in the mood to preach and still have to? 
The truth is, we're saying, well, if I'm in the mood, I, I may worship, I may go to church, I may read the Bible. If I'm in the mood, if it's convenient within my emotions, I'll serve God. If I have time, I'm sorry, Lord, if I have laundry, I, I can't do anything for you. Lord, I'm sorry, but my, my God, my idle kids come first. They have baseball practice. I can't serve you today. They have this. They have that. And we sit here and we say, Lord, I want to be blessed. I want to live your best. I want you to really just open up opportunities of blessing for my life. But I expect you to do so in my convenient time and not my commitment. But serving God is all about being committed no matter what you feel, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how hard things are. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will be glad. I will serve God, I will be faithful, I will do as He has called me to do in spite of my circumstances, my emotions, what people do, what people say, what's going on in my life. I decided to be committed to God. That's who God can bless. Was it convenient to stay where God was telling him to stay? Absolutely not. But see, he learned. God will disrupt your plans. And serving God is not a matter of convenience, but commitment. Could you look at your life and say, I have that committed desire for God? Or a convenient one? Well, Pastor, I'm in church, am I? I know you're in church, but maybe you're here today because it was convenient. Do you see your relationship with God as committed? Maybe you're saying, well, it's not as committed as I used to be. Then why are you allowing it? What are you doing about it? See, Isaac is about to step into this test. Do as I tell you. Isaac, I need you to commit and trust me when you don't like it. Isaac, I need you to stay and commit and obey when you think it's unfair. Isaac, you're going to look into the horizon in Egypt and see everyone easier, everyone's life is better, they're being provided for, they're laughing, they're eating, everything's good for them, and you're going to be struggling, you're going to be empty, you're going to be working harder than anyone, and I need you to trust me. Isaac, I know you don't like where you're at right now, but you need to believe in me when I say stay. I believe that in this generation we're living in, we need more faith to stay. Because we have become a people that say, if I don't like it, I'm out. It's why church attendance is down. It's why divorces is in a rise. It's why people have no commitment for anything they want to do. Why? Because if I don't like it and it's not convenient to me, I'm out. But as a believer, you have to understand that sometimes God is going to call you to stay when you don't like it. 
See, all of us, we enter a season like Isaac, that things get dry. How many of you have ever been through a dry season in your life? We enter a season where things get difficult. It's not like what it used to be. Everything suffers a season of drought. I believe churches suffer seasons of drought. Where everything just seems harder and we struggle more and it's dry and it's not like what it used to be. That's not forever. We get back up, but in that season, I believe that even marriages go through drought and they're dry and, and it's not the same and you're not connecting as much. Families go through that. You're not as together. You're divided. You're distracted. You know, even people have this season with God. There are seasons you feel close to the Lord, you're worshiping, you're reading your Bible, you're coming to church, you're listening to worship music, you're just in the things of God, you're excited for the things of God, and then you get into those seasons that it's like pulling teeth, and you're busy and distracted, and you're cold with the things of God, you don't feel it like you used to feel it, you don't read the Bible like you used to, it doesn't read you like it used to, and you're just becoming more dry, and more dry, and more dry, and you know it's always the pastor's fault that you're dry it could be a church it could be a marriage a family a relationship with God it's in these moments that our emotions get in and we're tempted to leave I'm out I need better I need to search for better it's why people today go from job to job, relationship to relationship, church to church. It's why we're moving and moving and moving because we're trying to say, I'm going to find a place that is always convenient to me. That's always going to make me happy. It's always going to be amazing. It's always going to make me feel good. And when it doesn't, I leave. And commitment today in all of people is gone. What a test in verse 6. Because the Bible says in verse 6, Isaac, say it with me, Isaac stayed. He stayed. Can you imagine him telling his family, put everything back, we're, we're staying? Can you imagine his wife and kids saying, wait, wait a minute, but what about Egypt? We planned for Egypt. No, God said no. And we need to trust him. Can you trust God when he completely removes your plans and expectations? Could you trust God where you're not living the life you thought you'd live? Could you trust God when you're in a place you feel you don't belong or deserve? Could you trust God when you look out to Egypt and see everyone living a life you want, but God is not doing it for you? Could you stay with God? See, I understand why people leave. I really do. I understand why people leave jobs and marriages and families and church. I understand that. Because it's not perfect, it's not good, it's not loving. I, I get that. I understand why people, they just leave. 
It's not right sometimes, but I understand it. But what I don't understand, can I be honest? What I don't understand, what makes no sense to me at all, is why people leave God. Who is perfect? Who is all loving and merciful? Who has blessed you beyond measure? And you leave him. Why do people leave God? Who has been so faithful to you. Who sent his only son Jesus to die for you. Why do people leave God? See, people make a mess of their life. Let me rephrase that. Christians make a mess of their lives when they leave God. When you stray. When you're cold. And I started thinking and praying and asking the Lord. I said, Lord, why is it we leave you? And I figured it out through the Holy Spirit's help. People mess up their lives because they leave God. Christians stay in their mess and never get blessed because they don't even know they left them. Because they're in church. They're singing, they're worshiping, they're reading the Bible, they're going to Bible study, they're believers, they're on their way to heaven, they know the scriptures, and they think, no, I haven't left God, I love God, I believe in God, I'm a born-again believer, I love Jesus, I haven't left God. But what if you have and you don't even know it? See, I believe that people leave God and they stay leaving God because they don't even know they've left God. Let me show you this in scriptures. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 31.6, a powerful scripture that we have to look at. The Bible says that the Lord said, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. And notice what God says here. He will never leave He will never leave you, nor forsake you. God says, when it comes to God, God's love is steady. It's relentless. It's unchanging. It is unconditional. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's love is the agape love, the kind of love that just says, I am here to stay. It is true no matter what you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, time and time again, no matter what the condition of your life is, God says, I am here to stay with you. I will never leave. I will never forsake you. But understand something. Why did God use the word leave and forsake? Wasn't it just enough to say, I'll never leave you? But the truth is, There is a divine difference between leaving and forsaking. See, leaving is the physical act of removing your presence from something. 
after service, you're going to physically leave this building. But forsaking has nothing to do with the physical act of leaving and everything to do with the emotional act of abandoning. Do you know, let me explain, let me clear that up for you. Do you know that you could be in a place but not really in it? Could you be in a marriage and not really be in it? Could you be in a job and not really be in it? That's why so many people say, well, I haven't left God. But maybe emotionally you've checked out. I know I'm preaching good today. Come on. I know emotionally you have said, my heart's not in it. So now this changes the sermon because you felt good. Oh, I haven't left God. But where's your heart? Maybe emotionally you've abandoned God. Maybe, just maybe. So you can be physically with someone and emotionally not connect with them. You can come home to someone and not really be there. You could have a friend and not really be a friend. You could physically be in the church and your heart is not in it. You could physically sing the songs, but emotionally you're not connected to the worship. You're in the church, but on your phone. You're going to tell me you haven't forsaken God? You're in church, but you're thinking about lunch. You're going to tell me your heart is in it? It doesn't feel the same anymore. You read the Bible, but emotionally it does nothing for you. You pray, but your words seem empty. You see, I believe that you can see now that maybe you haven't left God physically, but emotionally your heart is gone. Your heart is just not in it. Why? I believe there's three reasons. Maybe there's more, but for the sake of time, I'm going to give you three. I believe that people forsake God because they get hurt. Jonah abandoned God because he got hurt. He didn't like the fact that God wanted to save Nineveh. He didn't like the fact that God did. He, he, his feelings were hurt. I'm so hurt that you want to save those souls. I'm out. And he left. People forsake God because they get hurt. People forsake God because they get hurt by someone else. It wasn't even God that hurt you, but you say, well, God allowed it. People emotionally forsake God because they're distracted. Judas was in a ministry with Jesus, and he wasn't in it. He was distracted by governmental power and he had other agendas in mind. So even though he was there for the sermons and the miracles and the ministry and the serving, Judas wasn't in it. He was in it physically, but emotionally he was not. 
Why do people forsake God? Because they get distracted by relationships, by jobs, by hobbies, by busy, busy, busy. Everything else becomes a priority and your heart strays from God. Why do people forsake God? Not only because they get hurt, not only because they get distracted, but I believe one of the greatest reasons that the Christians in America forsake God and not leave Him, but forsake Him emotionally, is because they have taken the things of God and God Himself for granted. Jesus said about the prodigal son who had a blessed life, he had everything, but the son took it for granted and left. You know why people leave God? Because they have taken church for granted. They have taken worship for granted. They have taken this book that should soon be illegal in this country, soon, for granted. We take it all for granted. So when you take something for granted, it's easy for you to leave it. If your heart is not in it, maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you're distracted. Maybe you're just taking it all for granted. But this is why we leave. This is why we leave friendships, because we take friends for granted. This is why we leave spouses, because we take spouses for granted. This is why we leave churches, because we take our church for granted. And this is especially why we leave God, and we're not in it anymore, because we take it for granted. And you'll be surprised how many Christians today believe they haven't left God. But what if God says, you haven't left me physically, but your heart hasn't been with me for months, for years. You've checked out. You're distracted. You're hurt. You're taking all of me for granted. So you go to church and your heart is not in it. You read the Bible for yourself, but your heart is not in it. You listen to worship, you sing, but your heart is not in it. Do you know how many people today, their hearts are not in God, but they're still in church? It's not the same anymore. Worship doesn't feel the same anymore. Man, I've been a pastor, I don't know how long already. That's when you know it's been too long. But I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, it's not the same anymore. And when I look, I said, dude, it's the same thing. Frankie, me, church, same thing. It just doesn't feel the same. You know what the problem is? Your heart is not the same. But you don't want to admit that because you're a good Christian. So we have to find blame. That's why the Bible calls us to examine ourselves. If you love me before and you hate me now, and I haven't changed at all, the problem is you. I am the, the same, no filtered, just, it's you. 
If you're here, you say, I don't like this church anymore, but ain't nothing changed about it. It's still Frankie singing. It's still Pastor David preaching. It's still the same old hot chaos. The problem is you. If there's people in the church you used to like, oh, I'm going there. There's people you used to say, oh, girl, what are we going to do for lunch today after church? What are we going to eat? Let's go hang out. Oh, they want to go to the mall? Yeah, let's go to the mall. Oh, I love you, girl. Oh, I love you. Oh, man, we're all close and everyone's close. And all of a sudden you're like. And they haven't changed. They're the same. The problem is you. That's why God says, examine yourself. You're too busy examining everything else around you. You're ignoring what matters most, your heart. And it's why we forsake it. God says in Hebrews 10, 25, he tells the church, not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. As some... Notice, as some in the manner of doing so, or the habit of doing, exhort one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know what the Bible says here in Hebrews? He tells the church, don't forsake church. I used to think it was the act of physically not being in church, because other translations say neglect. But the actual translation is the word forsake. And I understood what God put the word forsake, because you can physically be in church and not be in it. And you're still gathering. You're still there, but you left. Oh, I see you, but you left. Oh, you're there serving, but you left. You're there worshiping, but you left. God says you left a long time ago. No longer does worship fill you with joy. No longer does the word excite you. Your mind is distracting. You're in church. But you left every time for years. People sat down with me with tears. And I'm like, here it comes. I'm ready. Pastor, I'm leaving. (laughs) And in my mind, you know what I say? You left a long time ago. Well, why wasn't the pastor sad when I told him? Because you left a long time ago. Your heart wasn't in it. Not only does God say you can forsake the church and be in it, but Revelation says, Revelation 2, verse 2, he says, I know your deeds. He's talking to a church. He says, I know your actions, your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. And I say, man, give me some of them Christians in my church. They're working hard. They're persevering. Notice it says, I know that you can't even tolerate wicked men that you've tested those who claim to be apostles. They're so spiritual, they can test you. But notice, and I found them false. Verse 3, you've persevered. You've endured hardship for my name. You're thinking, man, what a Christian. You haven't grown weary. Yet I've hold this against you. You have what? But what were they doing before that? Serving, working hard, testing people's spiritual wisdom and discernment. 
They were like awesome Christians the whole time, persevering and working hard in the church. And God says, yeah, you're doing all of that, and it's great physically, but the truth is, you left me. You have forsaken your first love for me. That love that used to get you excited for me. That love that used to get you to just pray. That love that used to get you to worship me. The joy you used to have and the love you used to have for me. That is gone. It's gone. He says, remember the height you've fallen from. God says, do you remember how high you used to be with me? You know you've fallen from God when you can look back and say, I used to be better than this. Remember the height which you've fallen. And it's simple. Repent. And do the things you did at first. So God says not only can you forsake the church while you're in it, you can do all these things for God and still not have your heart in it. You see, the problem why we stay a mess is because you are convinced you haven't left God. And this isn't to make you feel bad, to get hard on you. No. This is to help you to realize that you can be in the things of God, but your heart can be away from it. Oh, as Jesus says, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Maybe you came into this church thinking you haven't left God, but I pray you leave this church saying, Lord, I've left you. My heart is not in it. That's why I love what Hosea 10, 12 says. says, plant the good seed of righteousness. He's talking to his children, God's children. It's us. Plant the good seed of righteousness. And you will have a harvest and a crop of love. Notice what God says. Plow up the hard ground of your heart. For now is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower his righteousness upon you. You know what God tells him? You have a heart problem. The reason you plowed the ground is because the ground was hard. When you have a hard ground, even Jesus talked about this, when he says some seeds. Giving this parable, he said some seeds, they fell on hard ground. And if the seed can just get buried just a few inches, it can grow, it can change, it can flourish, it can be so much better. But as long as it fell on hard ground, it was in danger of doing nothing. You know how many Christians are in danger of doing nothing for God? And the Bible says, Jesus said, a bird came and just took the seed. 
which is the word of God. And the bird was a symbolism, Jesus said, of the devil. Can I tell you, the devil is not threatened that you're in church today as long as you're like this. As long as your, your hearts are hard, cold towards the things of God, you think he's going to be scared of you? He knows you can do nothing. So why would he be threatened by a Christian that can do nothing because their hearts are hard? The devil wants us like this. He's not threatened by a believer that comes into church and their face is like this. You think the devil doesn't say, oh man, that, I'm, I got to watch her. Oh my gosh, she's... No. Because as long as the seed is on the hard ground, what happens, the reason you have to plow is because the water may come. But you know what's interesting? It stays. And notice the in-between happening. And the seed has no potential to grow like this. But when you break the soil, and it takes work, to plow. What happens is now the seed can get buried. The seed can be protected. The bird can't come and get it anymore because that bird doesn't want to get his beak dirty. The devil doesn't want to work hard for you, but you're making it easy for him right now. Because your heart is hard. Maybe you've been hurt, and we'll close with this. You've been hurt, you're distracted, you're taking the things of God for granted, but you can look at your heart right now and say, it's not the same anymore. And you're making it so easy for the devil to use you and to distract you and to hold on to you. That's why God tells his people, Plow your heart and heart. You say, well, Pastor, how do, I, how do I even do that? Whatever has hurt you, you need to forgive. Whatever you're distracted by, you have to just reprioritize and put God first again. Whatever you've taken for granted, learn to look at as a blessing again. Knowing that you do not deserve anything from God. But the first and foremost, the thing you have to do first is acknowledge it and repent of it. As long as you keep saying, I haven't left God, I haven't left God. I go to church, I go to Bible study, I serve, I'm a believer. Yes, you are. I'm not saying that. Forget, I'm, I'm not asking you if you've left God. I'm asking you if you've forsaken Him. Where's your heart today? Is it hard? Can God really get in there right now because you're so bitter? 
Could God really get in there because you're, you're upset all the time? You're critical all the time. You're judgmental all the time. You're just a bitter person. It's no wonder the things of God can't penetrate in your hearts. Could God really get in your heart right now when you're so distracted by everything and everyone around you? You're so busy, God says, you're so busy, I can't even get in there like I used to. You're working all the time, I get that, but now it's gone too much. You're watching TV all the time, you're distracted all the time, you're with people all the time. And I, I used to get in there so easily early mornings. I used to get in there so easy right before work in your car in the parking lot. I used to get in there so easy when you were in church. But now you're just distracted by text messages and social media, and you're just so distracted by what's going to happen today and what you got going on, and, and I, I can't even get in there anymore. I can't even get in there because you're, you've taken everything for granted. You don't say thank you anymore for worship. Thank you for the word, God. Thank you for church, that I even have a church right now that's open during this COVID crisis. Thank you, God, for the freedom that I have to worship. God says, I can't get in there anymore. Your heart has become hardened. That's why when David was confronted with his sin, he could have used the excuse, I've just been under a lot of pressure, God, and I just, I needed a distraction, and, and I just fell in sin. And Lord, the truth is, it was Bathsheba. She was looking real good. She should have been covered up. Who showers anyway like that, Lord? And he could have made excuses and justified it. But you know, the one thing David says that made him go from mess to bless, he said, Lord, against you have I sinned, and Lord, created me a new heart, not a new life, not a new calling, not a new environment, not a new country, not a new house, not a new car. Create in me a new heart. It is my heart that has made a mess of my life. It is my heart that has pulled me away from God. And if I can change my heart, God, you can change my life. It is my heart. It is your heart. every head bowed and every eye closed before you close those eyes I want you to read verse 12 through 14 let's read that real quick then I want to pray for you Isaac planted his crops so Isaac went to the drought got his shovel he looked at that hard soil and says this ends today I'm going to break the soil. You know why? I believe that God can get into your heart, but he has to break you first. And Isaac got his shovel, and everyone must have been, Isaac is crazy. There's no rain. The ground is hard. Why is he going to plow right now? Because God said so. And Isaac was working in an environment that everyone said would never grow. But he kept working. Man, that's how I felt in this church for 10 years. God, I know something's going to happen. And you're working and you're working. And everyone's saying, I'm not in Hialeah. And we're 
just plowing, me and my family, we're just plowing. And we're planting seeds. The Bible says when Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more. How good is God? A hundred times more than anyone or any place. Egypt had nothing on the obedience of God. The Lord blessed him. The Lord blessed him. Became rich man and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks and sheep and goats and herds and cattle and servants. My favorite part of this story is that everyone got jealous of him. But that's my flesh. But all because he had the faith to stay. So God says, don't you leave me. But please, don't you forsake me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here today and you're saying... Lord, I haven't left you, but I've forsaken you. My heart is not in it. The first thing you need to do is acknowledge. Acknowledge that before God today. Just say, Lord, my heart is not in it. My heart is not in it. I checked out months ago, years ago, weeks ago. Lord, I miss you. Why don't you tell us, God, I miss you. Lord, I'm making it so easy for the devil to peck at me. Lord, I'm hurt. I'm distracted. I've taken you for granted. Heavenly Father, I just pray for anyone here today. First and foremost, if you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, you have to break that hardened heart and let him in. The Lord can do so much more if you just receive him. He died on the cross for your sins. If you're listening online right now, I pray that you open up your hearts to Jesus. He is ready to receive you and forgive you of all your sins. Just pray this with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I open my heart to you this morning. I ask you to forgive me of my sins as I repent and turn to you now. I surrender to you. I know and acknowledge now that you are the Son of God that died on the cross for my sins and you are the only way to the Father. Today I put my trust in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I'm a born-again believer, but I have forsaken God. My heart has gone away from him. Just pray this with me from your heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, break the hard heart of me. Father, open my heart again to receive you like I used to. Lord, forgive me for my distractions. Forgive me for taking you for granted. Forgive me, Lord, for leaving you when I didn't even know I left you. Father, I repent and I return to you. Create in me a new heart serve you again, to fall in love with you again, to serve you with a heart that is in spirit and in truth again. I give you my heart, Lord. Break it so that I may be a hundred times more blessed. 
and what I am right now because I've left you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed that word this morning. I hope you guys were, yeah, give God some praise today.